from the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I'm not even supposed to be here today. (laughs) And yet you are. And here you are. So, hello, everybody. Um, Episode 102. One twenty two. One twenty two. One hundred and twenty two. One hundred dot twenty two. So um, we've got sort of the regular crew around here. Ish. We have a fill in for our own Larry Maris. Tim will explain what's going on there. <laughs> so uh, we'll do our regular thing. Oh, we and have, we have a special guest. Tell us about the guest because I walked in late. Um, our guest uh, is Jay Snyder. And you may, some of you astute listeners may have heard that name before. Uh, Jay is very deeply involved in the Ensman Archives and the Freya Foundation, which is something you hear pretty much on every episode as an opportunity (laughs) to contribute to something very cool. Um, But more especially, Jay um, is known worldwide as the husband of Michelle Snyder. (laughs) <laughs> so but jay is uh jay is an active mason in his own right and a, a scholar of cool things and he is here to talk to us about um all things astronomical not astrological astronomical <laughs> right so hello jay welcome to the show hey thanks um yep there's a big difference between astronomy and astrology uh, but uh, let's just keep it pragmatic, shall we? There you go. Um, we'll, we'll we'll start with that. And then also to my uh, immediate left, which you can't see because you're listening uh, on your car radio, uh, is uh, a member of Effort of Lodge number 665 and, and a Patreon contributor to the show. So if you're a, a Patreon contributor and you happen to stumble by the studio, you might find yourself in Larry's vacant chair. So with... <laughs> With us tonight is uh, Jim Diener, and uh, Jim, you're what are you what are you doing for Effort Lodge these days? Uh, Effort Lodge these days, I am sitting in as senior master of ceremonies. Senior master of ceremonies. Nice. All right. And you're what four? Four? You're not four years in. You're two years in, right? Three? Four? Five. Is it four? Four ish? Four in fraction? Yeah. All right. At seven, you get vested. That's yeah. You get. <laughs> You get your full retirement then. Um, so I guess we're going to start like we usually do. We'll go around the horn and uh, talk about what's been happening. Uh, Tim is whipping out the uh, the, the playbook. 
with a handy dandy calendar. Because he's got a calendar dating back to 1807, the, the, the Masonic things he's been doing. So, so Tim, since you have it open in front of you, embarrass us all with how much Masonic stuff you've been doing. Well, I'm just going to talk about um, a couple of highlights. Um, last Friday, uh, Masonic Light Podcast uh, sponsored a team at the uh, Valley of Harrisburg's uh, golf outing. We're calling that a team, huh? We're calling okay. that a team. Um, supporting the Children's Dyslexia Center there. And uh, we were very pleased to have our own Jack Harley and our own Josh the Producer and uh, Monarch Steffi from Ubar Grotto and Jim McElhaney from uh, Eureka West Shore 302. Yes. And I can hear, I am here to attest that no one was killed or maimed during the playing of that golf game. The amazing thing about that was we did two live streams on Facebook during that golf outing. The first one at about 8.15 in the morning in which 50 of you crazy people (laughs) tuned in live while we were doing that. Um, And then as best we can tell when we did the one a little later out on the golf course when we did an interview with the team, uh, we had about 125 that's and crazy. It is. It's crazy. So uh, we appreciate. Uh, and you gave them nothing. And we gave them nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Just a lot of talk and a little. Our undying affection. Our undying is affection given. and all of that. Um, so that was the biggie um, that uh, has gone on. Uh, lately, I have been just swamped with trainings uh, for lodge secretaries and treasurers. Uh, transitioning over to this new uh, database called Grandview. Uh, Many of you outside of Pennsylvania may be familiar with that. Um, As is most things with Pennsylvania, things get a little more complicated here. And so uh, we're we're making that transition well. We're we're all, uh, right now, uh, most lodge secretaries and treasurers have received some initial training and are playing around in a sandbox uh, for those of you that know what uh, that means, you'll understand that. Uh, and on August 2nd, it'll actually go live and uh, become official. So um, that's really, over the last couple of weeks, the two big items um, that have been doing Masonically. Um, I did go to a cigar event on Saturday, Oh, I was going to embarrass but, you with that. But yes. I'll, uh, I'll let you talk a little bit more about that, right. Jack. And uh, Jay, so going around the room... Uh, Clockwise, you're next. So what have you been up to Masonically for in the last couple of weeks? Well, we uh, voted two weeks ago to uh, go dark during the summertime at Meridian Lodge. But the uh, following week, I had uh, uh, my final lodge of instruction for the 15th district in Massachusetts. And we uh, had uh, me as a guest speaker. And so oh, nice. uh, I'm all rehearsed and ready to go. All right. And you gave the, the talk that you're going to give tonight. Well, it's not a talk. We're going to have a chat, but the same subject matter that you're you're going to yep. share with us tonight. Cool. Um, I guess in the circle, I'm next. I did the played the Friday in the golf outing, as Tim said. Um, and uh, I won closest to the pin on one of the par threes. Um and just to show you the level of competition at this outing, I was at least 35 feet from the hole. <laughs> so just for what it's worth, thank you. I donated the money back to the charity. It was for the Children's Dyslexia Learning Center at the Scottish Rite in Harrisburg. 
uh, was the charity for the day. And uh, beyond that, we had a stated meeting yesterday, um, and it was uh, well attended and well fed. And again, uh, we had a we had a speaker, right, Jimmy? Why don't you, since you were there, why don't you tell us about the speaker? Uh, he spoke about into the microphone uh, Masonic happenings during the Civil War. There was a couple stories. Uh, it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, stories I'd never heard. I've heard a lot of. I was gonna say I, I've heard Civil the same, War three, stories. same three stories. But. <laughs> no, but but these were uh, these were ones that I had not heard before, and it was very it was very interesting. Yeah, and just really driving in like if we all live by our oath and obligation, you know, there should be no issues. By your light, they will know you. Yep. Wait, but, where did I read that? Somewhere. <laughs> trying to remember his name. Um, Dave, something or other. Don't bang on the table. Arnold. Pete, what have you been up to? I've really been up to nothing, Masonic. Uh, you are causing trouble, Masonically speaking. Yes. Am I? Aren't you? Where? Instigating movements and... Oh, I'm instigating it, but I'm not even a member of that lodge yet. <laughs> <laughs> I spread rumor and innuendo uh, and discontent, and then I just like sit back and watch. Uh, yeah. That's also freaking it's, it's awesome. Awesome. Um, no, so yeah, I've I just uh, finished up twenty radiation treatments, which is uh, you have a nice tan. I was gonna say you've got so, a nice tan. Yeah. yeah, they they told me to ring the bell. I'm like, no, that's freaking bad luck. I'm not doing that. Um, I said I'll be back. Um, I have a more chronic kind of thing, so yes, yeah, I'll be back. Maybe not for five years, but I'll be back. Um, and I just got back from hospital in philadelphia where i had a regular checkup and i was supposed to be coming in at the tail end of this show but you guys are such screw-ups that uh <laughs> at eight o'clock you're getting started for your six o'clock show you're, you're welcome yeah Thank so you i'll much. let josh go so we don't have to keep our guest all day <laughs> yeah. well uh i uh like like jack and tim said i also attended the uh the golf event and I think I proved that even though it was my first time, I'm probably the best golfer and on the Masonic Light podcast. <laughs> I would say absolutely. Yeah. Um, at least three of my drives made it longer than 15 yards. So, yeah. And we taught him about the crank rule. And anybody that's a golfer there, he, he now knows what that means. Yeah. So, But no, you, you did fun. You did great. <sighs> we, I, at the end of the day, I think you had fun. Oh yeah, it was, and it that was is great. all that matters. It was great. Yeah, it was actually Josh's first time on a real live grown up golf course, and they knew they were in for a long day when uh, we did that first uh, live feed, and we're like, "So let's get your clubs into the cart." And he's like, "Clubs, clubs? I don't have what? Clubs. Where do I get clubs? With clubs? So, <laughs> I've never golfed before." <laughs> anyway. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk to our guest, Jay Snyder. Not the one that used to own the Flyers, but this is a different Jay Snyder. a nicer one. Yes. So we'll be right back. Why choose George J. Grove & Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation... George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. 
Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. Uh, we're back with our guest, Jay Snyder, and Jay is with us tonight. Um, we talked a little bit about a, a presentation that he made uh, to his district, um, Lodge, of, Lodge of Education or School of Instruction. Lodge of Instruction. Lodge of Instruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jay has a particular uh, passion for astronomy. And those of you that pay attention will know that there are seven liberal arts, and the one on the top step of the winding staircase uh, is astronomy. And uh, Jay, why don't you why don't you take us on a ride into outer space? Let's do this. Well, before before we go too far, uh, <laughs> that uh, that uh, lecture on the uh, winding stairs uh, includes the seven liberal arts and sciences. Right. And uh, and uh, uh, what I w- what I've been taught from uh, from my mentor Bob Ensman. Uh, is that uh, they are a progressive uh, set. In other words, you start with grammar and then you move to rhetoric. Uh, you can't mm-hmm. have rhetoric. Uh, you can't have good rhetoric without good grammar. And then uh, you'll move from rhetoric uh, to logic. You can't have logic without good rhetoric. And then uh, to mathematics, which you can't do without logic, and geometry, which you can't do without myth- mathematics, uh, music, which takes geometry and adds time, the measurement of time to it, and uh, so you can't do music without geometry. And then uh, finally, astronomy. Once you have the geometry and all these other things, so I'm going to try to present uh, with good grammar, good rhetoric, good logic. Good mathematics, good geometry, and we'll get to some uh, we'll get to some uh, local astronomy and uh, keep try to keep everyone uh, awake. Good luck with that, because Larry just joined us. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be on. Hey, <laughs> hi, Larry. Hey, Jay. So, Larry, Larry had a just going to interrupt for a second. Larry had a bit of a catastrophe on the way to the show today. Larry, you want to tell us about that quick? Uh, yeah, I was following Tim. Get the beeper ready. Yeah. We drove separately. Where's the dump button? <laughs> oh, as we were driving, and Carol said, the freezer's not working, everything's melting. So I got off at the next exit and barreled on back, and consequently it didn't. So we have some temporary spaces to store the uh, frozen goods. And Whirlpool, I was on the phone with them, I just got off. No brand names, no brand names. They're not a sponsor. Yeah. They're not a sponsor. They're not a sponsor. We get... Yeah. Now we have and to call them. Able to be here until Tuesday of next week. All right. Now, all right. Somebody call legal. We're gonna have that. <laughs> anyway, I feel like I have been totally beaten up with a stick. Well, happy to help you with that, Larry. Anytime. You, you need. Anytime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. So, so there's um, the first world problems by Larry, yeah, and now yeah, on to our guest. Go. Now on on to our guest. Um, 
So uh, I, I, I've, I've heard that that progressive nature of the of the seven liberal arts, and I I, I try to teach it as we go through the mentoring. Um, but now that we now that we've made it all the way to astronomy, which is all of those things in time and space and place, um, w- what what should what should a mason who is I don't want to say brand new because brand new is a little early for for jumping in this deep, I think. Um, but what should a mason be looking for in in terms of learning about astronomy if he's so charged? I, I'd start with the working tools. Uh, <clears throat> they are uh, you, you can't really can't do astronomy without working tools. There's a lot of things you can't do without the working tools. Uh, I've spent several years as a contractor. And uh, everything had to be plumb, square, and level. Um, or uh, Again, not in Pennsylvania, but that's a different thing. <laughs> but uh, the working tools, the first one that we're presented uh, and, and in the northeast corner is uh, the 24-inch gauge. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason being it's emblematical for uh, the 24 hours of the day and we are taught to use it for the more noble and glorious purpose of dividing our time and uh it uh it really uh it's very helpful to know your astronomy and uh to be able to divide your time Uh, so what we have because uh, what we have, we all get 24 hours a day, and that's it. And so, how we divide those 24 hours a day is very important. Now, I'm retired, so to speak, so I no longer go with the eight hour shifts. Uh, I just work half days. Bless your uh, heart. That's a, that's a 12 hour shift. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but, but the, the history behind the working tools uh, is clouded. Uh, nobody can really say when plum was invented um, or when it was used. It was used 10,000 years ago. Uh, plum level and square. Uh, there's a, a trilathon in uh, Lebanon. It's called the Belbeck Trilathon. And uh, though there are three stones there. And they're all in excess of 10,000 tons. Uh, they're perfect ashlers that are 30 feet long, 16 feet high, and 14 feet wide. And they are perfectly level at the top of the hill. So I don't know what tools they used to get that to the top of the hill. Assume, I'm assuming it was an ice age so they could use ice to slide those things up there. But Interesting um, one thing's for certain, they knew what plum level and square were 10,000 years ago. So that goes back quite a ways. Um, and the, the one thing that, that I realized uh, is that uh, as, a, as a contractor, um, you know, if, if we put a wall up and it's not plum, it's not plum. It's either plum or it isn't, right? So if you can be that absolute, it's either it either is or isn't plum level or square. So that's how we can develop these absolute uh, the speculative aspects 
we take the uh, uh, we take with the tools that we're given and we use them for their particular properties and uh, and those properties are absolute so we should be able to deal uh, with plum level and square on an individual basis and uh, so there's always you know there's the discussions as to whether or not there's objective truth well i believe that plum level and square are pretty objective and, and how, uh, how do we see this in in the astronomical studies um well pretend we're chaldeans and we're going back to look at the sky what are we what are we looking at to to find those things well these things are universal so uh that that represents the universality of of freemasonry there's plumb square and level on the moon. There's plumb square and level throughout the universe. So um, one, uh, one has to use these tools in order to find the North Star, for instance. Uh, there are tricks to learning how to find the North Star. Um, uh, one of them would be to use, uh, to, to find North, use a map. And because usually at the top of the map is north, and you can situate yourself in that in that direction. Uh, but I like to use uh, hand tools, uh, actually using my hands as a tool. Uh, if you if you hold your uh, hand up in front of you and spread your fingers out, you can uh, make the adjustment so that your pinky finger is zero degrees. And your thumb is pointing 90 degrees. And then your index finger would be 45, 30, and 15 degrees, respectively. So if you hold your hand up, now in uh, where I'm at, we're at uh, 42 degrees. I, I, just want, I just want to interrupt for a second. You should see this room right now. With everybody groping around with hands, it just it looks like it looks like kindergarten. That's awesome. All right, sorry, keep going. It's okay. So if if you line up uh, your pinky finger with the uh, level of the uh, of the ground, and um, your index finger will be pointing forty five degrees. So all you have to do is close your hand, and you're pointing in the vicinity of the North Star if you're facing north. There are other ways to measure it. Uh, this uh, uh, one pinky finger is one degree. If you hold your pinky finger out at the end of, the, at the end of your arm, you can uh, cover the moon. You can cover a full moon with it. You can cover the sun with it. Uh, then if you hold up three fingers, you'll have uh, five degrees. If you hold up a fist, you'll have 10 degrees. If you uh, hold up uh, the index finger and the pinky finger, that brings you to 15 degrees. And, uh, and then you can spread your thumb and pinky finger for 25 degrees. So if depending upon where you are, that North Star is going to be uh, if you were up here, 42 degrees off so the horizon. So why did I pay all that money for a sextant? That's what I want to know. If, if you got it. <laughs> well, yeah, you also have to pay to learn how to use that. Uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole other so, guild you have to join. So the, so you can, uh, 
In other words, if you hold up your your pinky finger and your uh, and your index finger and hold it up to the sky, that's going to be where whatever you're pointing at is going to be in one hour because it's fi- one hour is 15 degrees. So holding up the index finger and the p- pinky finger, that's uh, that's going to be your uh, one hour measurement. So if you're waiting for the sun to set, then you can measure how far it is from the horizon and uh, you'll know how many hours of daylight you have left. Oh, that's interesting. Or you could look at the farmer's almanac. <clears throat> why, did the, why did the scouts never teach me this? Oh, wait, they probably did. I just remember the leaf and the magnet and finding north that way. Uh-huh. Whatever. <laughs> okay, well. Non sequiturs, but yeah. That brings me to the, to the compass. <laughs> Uh, Boy Scout Compass. Nice segue, by the way. I'm a professional. He's reading the notes. Uh, th- this uh, this compass here, uh, Boy Scouts of America, it's uh, it's an it's a great tool. But here in Boston, uh, we are th- there are two Norths. There's True North, mm-hmm. which is in line with the North Star, and there's Magnetic North. Now, magnetic north changes every decade or so. The, the point of the magnetic pole shifts uh, on, on Earth. And right now, we're at 16 degrees uh, to magnetic north. So if you want to find true north, take your magnetic compass and make the adjustment for where you are, uh, Pennsylvania, it may be 15 or 14 degrees, but uh, that will also help you find the North Star. It's, it's, it should be easy because the North Star has been in the same place. It never moves across the sky. It's always in the same place ever since before the day you were born. Uh, it only moves one degree. That's the that's the width of your pinky finger extended at the end of your arm. It only moves one degree every seventy-two years. So uh, so that's that's the constant. That's the benchmark for doing uh, this kind of astronomy, uh, doing this kind of uh, uh, locating and naming the stars and the planets that you see. So um, so. Um, it- in early, I mean, going back to the the, temp, the original temple, um, it, it's it's oriented to the rising sun. Um, there's some there's some argument about whether it's oriented to the east or to the west, but but it's it's on that line of the rising sun um, to to make it Maryland? true east. Um, in how do how do how do we do, do we st- still reflect any of that in, in our in our current architecture in our current um, out, outside of the lodge even just the idea of orienting a building to a to a particular uh, celestial subject well I'll, I'll get into it uh, that in a little more detail but uh, for instance if you look at a roadmap of Washington DC you will notice that all the streets, uh, are uh, ordered, <clears throat> and uh, all the streets are uh, pointing due east and west. 
and uh, and due north and south. But the avenues in Washington, D.C. point to specific azimuths, uh, point in specific angles. So, yeah, there there's uh, there's a lot to do with um, uh, with how Washington, D.C. was designed. And I've been in several cities that have a very similar type of setup. So uh, so in terms of architecture or city planning and those types of things uh, in the history of the United States, which I'll get into a little more in, in uh, coming up, uh, there was a lot of geometry going on. And, uh, and so it's still relevant, uh, still relevant today. So you can, uh, we just had our summer solstice, which means the sun is far as far north uh, on the uh, on the eastern horizon when it rises uh, as it gets, and then it starts heading south again uh, for the next solstice. But before you can find those, of course, you need to know which direction north is. Uh, so if you're familiar with uh, the constellations that are in the north, you can use them to... Uh, point the way to the North Star. The Big Dipper uh, is is a, is an easily recognized asterism. Uh, it's a part of a constellation called Ursa Major, and the front two stars of that Big Dipper point directly to the North Star, and it goes completely around the North Star every 24 hours. So uh, that's that's another way to to find. Uh, the North Star. Once you've found the North Star, uh, I'm, this is a, like you said, why didn't the Boy Scouts tell you this? But um, uh, Bob Ensman taught me about what's called noon sticks. N O O N, noon sticks. And the way to set up a noon stick. No, those that- not a nunchuck. A noon stick. Oh, I was excited. Also, also called a gnomon, but yes. So, so you can uh, take a plumb line and hold it up uh, inside of the North Star, and uh, and as that plumb line falls down to the ground, you place a stick in the ground that's plumb that lines up specifically with that North Star. Then you take a few steps backwards, hold your plumb line, and make sure that the, that the first pole and the north star are lined up. And you place the second pole plumb in the ground, and that would be, well, the, the south stick. Now, once you have these two sticks set up, whenever the sun rises and passes across the sky... When it reaches its meridian height, like a junior warden, uh, a junior warden has to know when the sun is at its meridian height. Well, how does he know that? Uh, well, this is one way to know it. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so no that he can call the, uh, the craft from labor to refreshment. Um, but your, your plumb line has uh, developed that uh, north and south axis. So those two sticks actually sit on a meridian. And when the sun rises and passes through the south of the sky, 
uh, during the day, as soon as the shadow from the sun, uh, shadow of the sun from the south stick is perfectly in line with the north stick, then you have the sun at its meridian height. That is exactly midday from sunrise to Uh-oh. sunset. Pete's head just exploded. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those uh, moments, and then then it's how do you, how do you... those moments where uh, you, you you don't even need your watch to know that it's midday. In other words, any time any day of the year, whether it's a winter day or a summer day, uh, when that sun reaches its meridian height, and that's those noon sticks are aligned with the shadows, then you have exactly midday. So in the winter, when the days are short, your midday comes around uh, a, a lot sooner and uh, because the sun is lower. And in the summertime, like we have now, uh, the midday point is uh, much later. And it's even because of eastern uh, daylight time. Uh, it's about an hour uh, difference between noon and midday. So... Uh we're gonna we're gonna jump take a quick break here. Wait, Larry's what? La- what? My head's about to explode. But la- what? I got confusion with magnetic north, due north, the north star, Greenwich Mean Time plus or minus. Well, my head's just really. <laughs> let's let's, uh, let's do a commercial break, and how about when we come back, we start to wrap things up? Can we do that? What? We just got here. We just got here. I, I, I tell you, I go away for a day and. and Larry, we have a whole another segment with with Jay. Right, take, take another Xanax, and take we'll 20, be back after up. this brief commercial. Take twenty percent off there, Squirrely Dan. Okay, we'll be right back. As far back as the mid-1800s, records exist describing the pre-meaning tradition of brethren smoking cigars during and after gatherings. To this day, the practice of smoking cigars remains very much alive in many lodges. This custom is considered a time for brethren to relax, exchange ideas, and enjoy the simplicity and fellowship that is the very essence of our brotherhood. This is what Hireman Solomon Cigars is all about. Our starting principles are to bring Masonic brethren together in the harmony of a good cigar. Pull up a chair, sit back, light up any of our premium cigars, and enjoy the history. Hireman Solomon Cigars can be found at fine cigar retailers. For a complete list, visit HiremanSolomonCigars.com or check them out on social media to find out when they'll be at a live event near you. Hireman Solomon Cigars is pleased to be the official cigar of the Masonic Light Podcast. And we're back with our guest, Jay Snyder, who is talking to us a little bit about uh, some astronomy, some some basic, uh, I, I would say, I would say, I don't know, Cub Scout level, right. not Cub, maybe not Cub Scout level, maybe maybe orienteering level. Um, 
sun positioning and and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, there's there's some other things that uh, I think Jay is going to break into, and uh, something called uh, I don't know. I said at the break it was menstruating metronomy, but I, I, it's not that. It's mensurate, which means Jay what? Which means to measure. It's a it's a verb. Right. So we couldn't just say to measure. We had to mensurate. You, yeah, you said I said it. I did. I said it. All right. I think it's the lost word. It there is. You go. It is. There's. Uh, yeah. Um, so w- w- tell us why uh, mensurating is uh, an important element of astronomy. Well, going back to the 24-inch gauge, uh, being emblematical of the 24 hours, uh, that. That means being able to measure your time, and that's metronomy. Metronomy is the measurement of time. So if you want to know uh, uh. if it's before noon or if you want to know if it's uh, at the sun is at its meridian height or past the meridian height, uh, in, in Jerusalem, uh, they had an observatory uh, at uh, King Solomon's Temple, uh, the pillars on uh, either side of the east gate uh, were north and south pillars. Why, yes, they were. And uh, they, they were, were the 60 sun feet sticks. in height. And they were at the top of the hill, so anyone from around what do you know? could see uh, when it was noon or when it was midday. And uh, also, once you have that situation... Uh, and you know you're north, uh, you can turn around and view the south because from where we stand, all uh, the sun, the moon, and all the planets orbit uh, on, uh, on the south side of the sky. And they all follow the exact same line <clears throat> across the sky because our solar system is a disk. And from our point of view, we see the disc as one particular uh, royal arch, if you will, from <gasps> east to west on the Ooh, south side of the sky. That was deep. That, that was, was really that's deep, good. Jay. That 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 was deep. You round you round earthers, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> which brings me to 360 degrees. Uh, the only reason why it's 360 degrees is because. 360 is divisible by more whole numbers than any other number. So you can divide 360 by 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, uh, 12, 15, 18, and 20. Wow. Wow. None are you of, doing that in your head? None of us are going to double check. Man, nobody's <laughs> checking his math on that one. <laughs> That's impressive, though. Wow. Yeah, well, uh, if, you have, uh, <clears throat> if you have to divide, uh, if you have to divide your time knowing where the sun is and knowing how to divide 360 degrees helps you know how much time you have left. So that's that's the pragmatic application of geometry and astronomy. I'm gonna I'm gonna let I'm gonna take that 
and because I think you're going to, I hope you're not going to skip over this because um, that 15 degree thing, when we were holding up our hands a minute ago, uh, and the the pinky and ring finger form a 15 degree angle, right? Rock on. Um, that 15 degrees divided into the 360 degrees of the full circle of the of the sun is one out is 24 hours. Right. Right. So so as the sun moves that far in the sky, that distance between the 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 ring finger and the pinky, that's one hour. So that that that's that's very well, that's cool. Crazy. Right. I mean, and I could see when these Masonic, when the operative Masons got started, they needed to know. Okay, we're halfway through the workday. We're we better leave. If it's an hour walk home, we better leave we now. Got to leave now. Yeah, you know, we got to knock off and get to the bar. Yeah. So um, <laughs> no, I, and I can see how that this is a foundation for everything. After that's fantastic. I never, I never I did the math not, before. I me either. Very cool. And, Sorry. Uh, getting back to mensurating. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm glad we didn't have a that drink worked. at dinner. <laughs> Here's a quote for you: That which can be most exactly measured is best understood. Ah, and who said that? That sounds like uh, a Pythagoras thing. Oh, that's Bob. Okay. Oh, okay. I think he stole it from Pythagoras, though. Yep. Did you know that uh, that all those planets that are on that one single line across the south uh, sky uh, make up all make up the planets in our visible solar system, and uh, but the distances and the proportions that are vast uh, have. Uh, have an effect you know I, I i suppose we could go into astrology here does does jupiter affect us where is jupiter uh, uh in the sky is it affecting us well jupiter is big enough to ex- to uh to affect the orbit of the sun you see both uh both sun and jupiter orbit the same barycenter. In other words, the barycenter of the sun is outside of the sun. So it has that much of effect on the sun. Why wouldn't it have an effect? And it does have an effect on the physical planets in our solar system. So that's uh, that's some credibility uh, there for astrology. But at the same time, uh, you have to understand that you can fit all the orbits from uh, Mercury to Mars three times before the inside the orbit of Jupiter. And you can match the orbit of Jupiter and you can put that twice in terms of its distance from the sun between Jupiter and Saturn. So these types of measurements uh, are, uh, are important if you're using astronomy for navigation or you're using astronomy to divide time. Um, but uh, there are a lot of allegories uh, because of the r- repetitive patterns. And the repetitive patterns that we see just on that one ecliptic uh, uh, helps us to measure our time. For, for instance, uh, Mars goes... Uh, orbits the sun every two years. 
So if I lived on Mars, I'd be 30 years old. Uh, that that type of uh, I know that every two years that Mars is going to be in the Taurus constellation uh, at my birthday. So every two years, there it is next to Pleiades. So one of the allegories that uh, that's used uh, is uh, if if you have any uh, uh, Japanese. Uh, the word Subaru, the Subaru is the Subaru is the Japanese word for Pleiades, and the, you can see the seven sisters on their logo. <clears throat> so uh, yeah. we get manufacturing and and cars. Sirius XM. Sirius is the brightest star in the sky. Um, Venus uh, planet is known as. A female. Uh, why is Venus a female? Well, I think it has, in the goddess of love, I think it has something to do with the the orbit of Venus, which which is uh, in between the sun and the Earth. And every time Venus passes by, it's it becomes a morning star, and it's a morning star for nine months. And then it passes behind the sun from our point of view. And it's the evening star, which it is now. Uh, you can see it in the west after the sunset. It's nine months after, uh, nine months after it's the morning star, it becomes the evening star. And it stays the evening star for nine months. And then it goes back, back to being the morning star. So that being a period of human gestation, uh, of course, Venus has been uh, uh, designated the goddess of love. So we're not mensurating during that gestation. Is that right? No. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to be clear. Okay. Shut up, Larry. <laughs> and what about Leon Sphinx? Why are we talking about him? Oh, well, uh, <clears throat> um, we, can, uh, we can talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go to the three kings. Uh, at the winter solstice, Martin Luther, Don, <laughs> Jimmy, and Larry, 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 King. Larry, yeah, Larry. King. yeah, they're all kings. So we've got them. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, never mind. Jay, I hope you were forewarned, but <laughs> she said I'd have a great time. Uh, all right, tell us about the three kings, please. The three kings are the three stars in Orion's belt. And uh, if you're familiar with that, you can, you can uh, line those three stars up. And to one side, it points to an ecliptic star called Aldebaran. And Aldebaran is the alpha star of Taurus. It's the red bullseye, the red eye of the bull, which is why bullseyes are red. But the, in the other direction, if you follow the three kings to the other direction, they point directly at Sirius. We're never serious around here. <laughs> well, it's good to know because <laughs> at the winter solstice, which star is Sirius, is the star. Once you follow the three kings and follow the star to the horizon... 
that line points director, directly to where the sun is born again after the winter solstice. Huh. It's a rebirth of the sun. Oh, nice. So, wow. That's an allegory of the Christmas story based in astronomy. The Sphinx, the Sphinx uh, was uh, erected in Egypt, and it faces due east. And it faces due east uh, for the rising of the sun. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the sun rises uh, uh, in, uh, in Virgo, and, or the sun rises in Leo, then, the, then at some point uh, over the years, the North Star is going to move 72 degrees a year. And the sun will be in a new position against a new zodiac house and that would be virgo so the legends say that the sphinx that faces due, faces due east is actually a time marker between the cusp and the transition from the age of leo to the age of virgo so this the sphinx possibly was a lion behind and a female in front, which was since um, reconstructed hmm. to the head of a pharaoh. So that is uh, another allegory. But I think the mo the one that uh, that if if you're still with me, uh, <laughs> the lion's paw. Uh, I refer to the lion's paw as being the alpha star of Leo. Uh, that is called Regulus. It is an ecliptic star. In other words, it's right in the path of the sun. And in and during the uh, winter months, when the sun reaches its lowest point, then uh, it begins to climb uh, higher and higher in the sky. And uh, during one of those ages... Uh, Leo was the sign of summer, like now the sign is cancer, mm -hmm. but it used to be Leo. And when it was Leo, then the, uh, the allegory is that the strength of the lion's paw could raise the sun to its height after it had found its winter, after it had, had been through its winter solstice. About so, when, when would that have been, Jay? Well, if uh, if each if each age is twenty one hundred years, uh, then that would have been um, probably about four thousand years ago. So, uh, well, that historians fits. can yeah. tell that me what was going on in Egypt at that time. <laughs> that fits. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the lions. The next time you're you're able to see uh, Leo. Uh, Look for the star Regulus, the lion's paw, and that is directly on the ecliptic. So those, those are some of the allegories that find its way into our culture's uh, meanings and our memes and our, uh, you know, our, our way of life that have been around for centuries. And uh, if there is, you know, any more interest in, in how they divide the the zodiac houses and uh why it, why it's relevant uh, 
when certain planets are in those houses. That's another topic of discussion. But you can you can uh, you can divide time by knowing where the planets are and in what position they are in their orbit around the sun. For instance, I've been watching Jupiter for 12 years now, and uh, it's in the sign of Aquarius right now. And the, the great thing about it is, or I'm sorry, Capricorn, the great thing about it is that Jupiter's orbit is a 12-year orbit. And it spends each year in a different zodiac house. Year after year, the the, the uh, Jupiter will uh, make a jump from its position in the sky into the next zodiac house. And the next year, at the same time, it will click back and then make the jump again. So, for the past twelve years, I've been following Jupiter and. Uh, and when it comes when it comes around uh, when it comes around to uh, Aries, uh, which is really where I started watching it, so um, about ten years now I've been following it. But you can uh, divide your time uh, by any one of those uh, three hundred and sixty degree orbits. Awesome. Well, Jay. Uh- Thank you so much for being with us. I, I think we're going to probably have to um, break out now and go, like, heal. And stare at the sun. We're yeah. going to go. Or stare at the moon. Yeah, or something. I mean, th- there was a, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of crazy cool information in that little Before section. we let him go, though, uh, if, if someone wanted to dig even deeper after their brain has healed, uh, where might they go to find out more information, Jay? Uh I've always enjoyed a book that is uh, um, out of, uh, well, it's officially out of print, so you can get it through out of print books, but uh, it's called The Royal Secret, and much of the allegory uh, that was astronomical, which found its way into Masonic ritual, uh, Succoth and Zeredatha, and uh, and uh the the plains of Jordan and so on and so forth. These were all uh, names that were given to the tropics, to the equator, to the the measurements of the Earth, and so uh, a lot of those royal secrets, for instance, can be found in that book. And there are uh, other books on Masonic astronomy and what it means. Uh, to have a point within a circle uh, uh, bordered by two perpendicular parallel lines. Uh, And I'll close with this. Uh, Even though we use a plumb line to try our perpendiculars, uh, it's it's important to remember, and uh, uh, this is a shock that uh, Bob Benzman gave me, and that is that no two plumb lines are parallel. That's true. And uh, and the uh, the other thing in discussions with Michelle as a contractor trying to line up the hole in the floor to run a staircase down, I had to make sure that the hole in the floor at the top was at the same point on the bottom, and I used a plumb line. And uh, I realized uh, that's where they get the expression, as above, 
so below. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Well done. Are one we... more thing. One more thing in closing. Uh-oh. And uh, I have no idea uh, how this was done, but here to my left is uh, uh, this 24-inch globe, and I've stretched a rubber band around it. And it actually uh, is a great circle. In other words, it divides the globe into two equal hemispheres. And however, this, this line has a particular interest, I think, to Masons because uh, it, uh, it incorporates on this line in order from, uh, from the East Coast to the Gulf of Mexico uh, in order, ready, in a straight line. And this is less than one-tenth of one percent accurate. Boston, New Haven, uh, New London, New York City, Liberty Island. The line passes from New York through uh, Wilmington, Delaware, Newark, New Jersey. These are capitals of these uh, states at one time uh, or another. Uh, it passes through Philadelphia proper. It passes through Baltimore proper. It passes through Washington, D.C., Roanoke, Virginia, Atlanta, Georgia, Montgomery, Alabama, and New Orleans, where it crosses the Gulf of Mexico and passes through Mexico City. If you follow the line to the eastern hemisphere, it enters the mouth of the Seine River, passes through the Cathedral of Notre Dame on the Isle of Paris, the capital of Switzerland, Bern. It, it navigates uh, uh, Venice, which is the <coughs> northernmost port of the Adriatic Sea. And then it passes through Thessalonica, which is the northernmost port of the uh, Aegean Sea and the, and the port of entrance to Constantinople. Then it uh, passes through uh, Yugoslavia, Podgorico, and then uh, through Jericho, uh, out the Mediterranean into Jericho. And in the southern hemisphere, it, pass it touches, it doesn't touch land. So this one line that I discovered 20 years ago playing with Google Earth uh, has, I've never found any information to it about it on the internet. I have never found any reference to it on any ley lines uh, or any uh, work or research done through uh, 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 magnetism or, or anything. The only, th I don't know when it was built. I don't know when it was calculated. I don't know who calculated, whether it was the French or the Americans. I don't know uh, who, uh, uh, where it originated. The oldest city on the line is Jericho. I don't know uh, why it was done, uh, but there are as there are more geo uh, geological aspects to this line than there are geographical, in other words, cities on this line. But the capital cities, uh, the largest city in North America. Uh, uh, Mexico City and New York, both on this line. The number of cities, capital cities on this line, is unmatched uh, anything I've ever seen before. 
And if anybody can help me, I've been researching this for 20 years. And if anybody wants to help and, uh, and help us uh, create uh, more coincidence uh, from, uh, from this discovery, uh, the, other, the other thing that I want to say is that how it was done, the only way that I can imagine that this was done is it was done using geometry. And so whoever built this line or conceived of this line that is uh, very obvious and not a coincidence uh, had to know their geometry and had to be able to teach it. So I think we're in the right pl- we're on the right track being Masons. Wow. Interesting. That is interesting. That's probably how Superman knows how to fly to all the way around the world. That's the way, that's the path. It yeah. Takes. Actually, so it's, it's uh, well. It's Charles Lindbergh used that line uh, to get from New York to Paris. See? Yeah. Hey, it, he's a Mason. And cool. so you didn't you didn't mention no. It goes it goes south of like Reykjavik, and and west of yes. It goes south of and Ireland. west of England. So it's yeah. south of that. Just Mrs. Greenland. Uh, interest, that's interesting because that I, I was trying to picture it going through. I think the northernmost point is parallel with Stonehenge. Oh, that, that, that's probably just coincidence. <laughs> and, and, and Oak Island. <laughs> <laughs> and Oak Island, yeah, exactly. Oh, goodness. So I just had to get that one. No, Thank that's you. Very, that I'm going to absolutely look at that, that when I get That was bonus coverage. I, yeah, the Globe is coming out tonight. So. All right. Well, thank you for uh, for being with us. And um, we're going to take a quick break and come back with some other stuff. Jay, you're welcome to hang around and uh, listen to us clean up this, this thing. And um, once again, thanks for being with us. Uh, say hi to Michelle for us all. And um, Larry, keep, keep quiet. <laughs> we'll be right back. At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. Just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market, and a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse, or Valley Forge in Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. In Masonic News Today, Dateline, Washington, D.C. In a surprise announcement, Senator Brother Charles Schumer has introduced legislation calling for the decriminalization of marijuana and the expungement of nonviolent marijuana-related convictions. When Worshipful Brother Hiram B. Toklas of High 12 Lodge No. 420 announced the proposed legislation 
He closed his remarks by saying, Far out, man. That's the Masonic News. Wait, what? Uh, so toke it be. So toke it be. <laughs> Jesus. Well done, Walter. Hey, Timmy. Hey. hey, Timmy, who brings our show to us? Hey, we are so thankful to have our patrons on Patreon. I got that right tonight. Yeah. Uh, who help keep this quality content coming your way. And you, too, can be a patron on Patreon by going to patreon.com. And maybe be a guest guest host. And be a guest host. Uh, slash Masonic Light Podcast. And for as little as $1 a month. Another dollar. You can contribute. Hmm. We will also take in... Other denominations for that, but uh, again, thank you to all of our patrons for keeping this show going. Alrighty, so what's everybody going to be up to in the next couple weeks? How about uh, Josh? Well, uh, one thing I forgot to to mention uh, earlier is that we we did have a special meeting at Lamberton Lodge. Uh, we received a request from Charles M. Howell Lodge to. Uh, look into potentially merging with them. They're uh, looking at a couple different lodges, I guess. So we held a special meeting to uh, to read that letter to the membership, and I formed a committee. And Larry's on that committee, so... So uh, it'll never get done? So, yeah, I mean, I'm Make not expecting any work to get done. A lot of talk, but no work. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably going to be some of the stuff that I'm going to be at least thinking about. All righty. Uh, Timmy, you got the most. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, next week I will be meeting with the 7th Masonic District at the uh, Valley of Reading, uh, doing some training for the secretaries and treasurers there. I look forward to seeing you all uh, in the 7th District. Out for that next Saturday, uh, July the 24th, beginning at 2 p.m., Eureka West Shore Lodge number 302 in Mechanicsburg. We'll have a family picnic. Anyone in central Pennsylvania uh, that wants to come, you're more than welcome to uh, come. We would ask that you go to our Facebook page. Just let us know you're coming so that we can have enough hot dogs and hamburgers, that kind of stuff. Um, Then the following Sunday on the 25th of July, uh, Uber Grotto is going to have a special uh, night at Moondancer Winery. It's going to be a couple's event, I believe. Yes. Uh, So uh, looking forward to that uh, great activity. And that's about it before we are back here in the studio again. So, Larry, how about you? Oh, my goodness. What do I have? Uh, Ghost and Great Iron. Uh, I guess Tall tall Cedar is next week or the week after. Hell, I don't even know when it is. Uh, um, And Josh asked me to do something, but I forgot what it was. Some committee or something? Yeah, some kind of committee. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about it. All right. Jack, how about you? Nothing. You got nothing. All right. I got my Monday night Masonic education with all the the little newbies that come in and learn their work. Um, And really, that, I mean, I'm drilling down on that. That's my my go-to thing. Uh, I'm still a member of... A couple of grottos, a couple of AMD uh, councils, and 
some other things. Um, ah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. October 24th. Yes. I will be receiving the Honorary Legion of Honor from the Pennsylvania Demo Lay oh, wow. at the Patton campus in Elizabethtown. Nice. And um, I would very much um, be pleased if uh, all of you knuckleheads uh, could join me for that ceremony. It's a pretty cool thing. What's will it? there be beer afterwards? Uh, of the course. The Malay event. I right? will be there. Therefore, <laughs> there will be beverages. What, what but, is their uh, spaghetti policy? Their spaghetti po- <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's uh, it's the demolay, so there's no green beans. You don't have to worry about it. It sticks on the wall. It's okay. But anyway, uh, so that's my big thing coming up is uh, Honorary Legion of Honor. I was very, very um, proud and excited to uh, receive that notification. So. And don't forget the big event coming up for Effort to Lodge. <laughs> A Lodge in the Woods? Oh, yeah, Lodge in the Woods. That's right. Um, September 15th, Wednesday, September 15th. uh, Go on Eventbrite and type in Lodge in the Woods 2021. And you can buy a ticket and come and visit. That gets you a steak dinner. And then after dinner is a meeting with uh, a whole bunch of people. We usually have about two or 300. Yeah. Yeah. Grandmaster's there. He gives out a a whole bunch of... uh, Master Builder. I, I'm awards, a sour. Masonic I'm a big Scouting. sourpuss, but it's a really cool event. It's an yeah. excellent. I mean, event. if you want to just like see a lot of people outdoors in a casual setting, it's a very chill event. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I really like Lodge in the Woods. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, Jim, how about you? You got anything coming up? Uh, we have two first threes tomorrow night at After Lodge. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. He even knows how to say it. Did you hear that? Yeah. Six hundred and sixty-five. Doing good. Doing good. All right, Pete. Um, I've got Tall Cedars next week. And uh, we're doing a picnic, and it's our brown bag auction, which is kind of funny because um, it seems like every other year I get back the same crappy gift I give give away. <laughs> um, but it's fun, and uh, apparently I'm in, I'm doing almost everything um, because I'm a control freak, and I know if I don't do it, it won't get done. So I'll be bringing the uh, hot dogs, the hamburgers, the tables, the chairs, fitting everything into a... My wife's Prius, so we're good. This is uh, this is called delegating. That's how that works. Yeah, yeah I'm the uh, scribe, so I was delegated. You're the delegate E. All right. Well, I believe that's it. Uh, Josh, you want to cue the chickens for Larry? And Larry, take us home. Bow chicka bow wow. Virtual chickens. They're, they're going, but I don't I don't know where the sound is. Someday you're going to have music that will play when we do this. Someday we're going to have real chickens. The listeners yeah, will the hear the chickens. Song works. I just want to mention one thing before I go through the lip. Oh!